Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, Bridal Ballad, by Edgar Allan Poe. This is a 184-year-old poem uh, about getting married. <laughs> And um, it was first published in the Southern Literary Messenger, uh, January 1837, as just Ballad. It's changed names a couple of times. Um, one is A Song of the Newly Wedded, um, but the most common title is Bridal Ballad. And uh, we discussed these this poem's long origin um, and changes uh, before we decided to do a show on it, and um, I'll just summarize this. Basically, what happened was Edgar Allan Poe was very much uh, in favor of reusing and reissuing his own poems, um, especially in things he was editing, like newspapers and magazines. And so he would tinker with his uh, poems and retitle them and put them into various publications. So during his lifetime, it got uh, about seven or eight uh, republications, uh, starting as Ballad in the Southern Literary Messenger, and then... Um, While he was, in fact, the editor, right? Indeed, and then uh, in 1841, it, it went again uh, as Ballad uh, in the Saturday Evening Post, and then in 1843, uh, we can infer that it was published in some newspaper as the song of the newly wedded, because there's a clipping of it, um, in, uh, a magazine. And then, uh, uh, it's in again, a newspaper we know called the Saturday museum as the song of the newly wedded. So it's getting multiple publications. This is fairly common as you know, if, if you pay attention to our podcast at all, um, in the deeps of the newspapers, when something gets published in one paper, it would often get published in every paper. So when Clark Ashton Smith uh, is announced as the great new poet of California, that's in every North American newspaper, basically, uh, within a couple of days. They just right. love reprinting. Because this is, this is how people... It's basically like how the internet works. People share uh, the stories and every newspaper is sharing every other newspaper stories so that they can all increase their circulation. Your uh, Chicago newspaper doesn't really compete with your Los Angeles newspaper. And so if they share articles, then they both benefit is the idea. So um, this is something Poe uh, obviously cared enough about to not hide. He kept uh, tinkering with it, and um, eventually we have this version, Bridal Ballad. We're taking it out of the um, poems of Edgar Allan Poe from 1900, so long after he's dead. That's uh, illustrated illustrations by uh, W. Heath Robinson. This one doesn't really have much of an illustration other than a couple of what could be dogwood uh, flowers and uh, a nice little banner at the top. But uh, I read it, and then I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty interesting, Mr. Poe. <laughs> and I submitted it to you, and I think you had a similar reaction, yes? Indeed, indeed, I do. Um, 
I have a bunch of thoughts about the poem, and I would like to to read it, and then we can discuss the content of that. But uh, before we do, I would like to add one little um, uh, observation about this reprinting idea, the sharing, as you call it. Um, that is excellent from the standpoint of the publisher who wants to uh, produce a product that he can sell. Mm-hmm. And therefore, since the publisher, since the editor is um, beholden to the publisher, it's terrific for the editor who wants to be able to acquire a copy as inexpensively as possible mm-hmm. so that the, the newspaper becomes a better value and hence does what you suggested, increases circulation. But for the writer, it is not a good deal because somebody else sharing his material doesn't necessarily get any money to him. Uh, you know, how is a writer in uh, Chicago to know that a newspaper in Los Angeles has reprinted a story of his two weeks later? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's two weeks later because the newspaper was actually sent there and mm-hmm. it got there. And that right, so he's not going to know. This is before we have transcontinental telegraphs and so yep. on. It's 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 good for the editor, but not good for the writer. But Poe, always impecunious, often augmented his uh, income by being an editor. Yes, that's where the so money if, was. <laughs> exactly. So if he decides to reprint a poem of his, he can make sure that the writer gets paid. That's right. That was that was uh, an extra little fill-up here. So he has a tremendous incentive to have this sharing go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, the particular thing we he shared, he first called ballad, and most uh, is most known, as you say now, as bridal ballad. May I read it, Jesse? Yes, I, I will point out that um, if you go into it just thinking of it as ballad, um, you have no expectations. Bridal ballad makes those expectations much stronger and um i think that it was i was my understanding of what was going on uh twigged a lot earlier because of that um without Mm. that um if you just read it as uh here's a poem with no title um it will take a moment i think before you realize that this is anything about a wedding you know, I can't say because I never read it, not knowing it was called Bridal Ballad. But the first lines, the ring is on my hand and the wreath is on my brow, seems like a giveaway. But, but you know. But we don't know the it, gender yet. No, we don't. But you don't put the wreath on the brow of the man in any Christian. Uh, not generally. In, in, in most Christian. Um, yeah. Which I think we can assume is an English language publication in America in the mm-hmm. middle of the 19th century. But here we go. The ring is on my hand, and the wreath is on my brow. Satins and jewels grand, and many a rood of land are all at my command, and I am happy now. He has loved me long and well, and when he breathed his vow, I felt my bosom swell, for the words were his who fell in the battle down the dell, and who is happy now. And he spoke to reassure me, and he kissed my pallid brow, but a reverie came o'er me, and to the churchyard bore me, and I sighed to him before me. Oh, 
I am happy now. And thus they said, I plighted an irrevocable vow. And my friends were all delighted that his love I have requited. And my mind is much benighted if I am not happy now. Lo, the ring is on my hand, and the wreath is on my brow, satins and jewels grand, and many a root of land are all at my command, and I must be happy now. I have spoken, I have spoken, they have registered the vow, and though my faith be broken, and though my heart be broken, behold the golden token that proves me happy now. Would God I could awaken, for I dream I know not how, and my soul is sorely shaken, lest an evil step be taken, and the dead who is forsaken may not be happy now. Okay, uh, which version are you reading from? Because that's not the one I've got in front of me. Um, I am reading from the one that the Poe Society posts as its definitive edition. All right. Um, do you know what year that is? Um, they don't post that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the rude R O O D is yes. not in the one I've got. Um, I could start clicking around to see if I can spot it. Uh, okay. That could be the first version just as ballad by EA Poe. The ring is on my hand and the wreath is on my brow, satins and jewels grand, and many a rood of land are all at my command, and I am happy now. He has loved me long and well, and when he breathed his vow, I felt his bosom swell, for the words were his who fell in the battle down the dell, and who is happy now. And he spoke to reassure me, and he kissed my pallid brow, but a reverie came o'er me, and to the churchyard bore me, and I sighed to him before me, Oh, I am happy now. And thus they said I plighted an irrevocable vow, and my friends are all delighted that his love I have requited, and my mind is much benighted, and I am not happy now. Lo, if I am not happy now. If I am not happy now. Lo, the ring is on my hand, and the wreath is on my brow, satins and jewels grand, and many a rood of land are all at my command, and I must be happy now. I have spoken, I have spoken. They have registered the vow, and though my heart, so, and though my faith be broken, and though my heart be broken, behold the golden token that proves me happy now. Would God I could awaken, for I dream I know not how, and my soul is sorely shaken lest an evil step be taken and the dead who is forsaken may not be happy now is that is that the one you're reading that is exactly the one i oh, read okay, so that's reading the, it with a different intonation absolutely that's a, that's a, the very first uh printed version from the southern literary messenger um may i read the uh one uh that we think poe finished it off with which is um i'll just send you the link to that it's bridal ballad that you reprinted from the poems of Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. Um, yes, I have it right here okay. in front of me. So uh, I'm interested in the changes because I always think of him as polishing and making, making changes, not just to make changes so that he can call it something else, but rather because he's reflecting on different things. So there's a few lines different here and there. 
The ring is on my hand, and the wreath is on my brow. Satins and jewels grand are all at my command, and I am happy now. And my lord, he loves me well, but when first he breathed his vow, I felt my bosom swell, for the words rang as a knell, and the voice seemed his who fell in the battle down the dell. And who is happy now? And who is happy now? Maybe. But he spoke to reassure me, and he kissed my pallid brow, while a reverie came o'er me, and to the churchyard bore me, and I sighed to him who before me, thinking him dead del o'er me, oh, I am happy now. And the, oh, I am happy now is in quotation marks. And thus the words were spoken, and thus the plighted vow, and though my faith be broken, and though my heart be broken, behold the golden token that proves me happy now. Would to God I could awaken, for I dream I know not how, and my soul is sorely shaken, lest an evil step be taken, lest the dead who is forsaken may not be happy now. So, to me, Eric, this is is obviously it works wholly on just the sounds. You know, it's it's a nice set of sounds, right? <laughs> but yeah. to me, uh, that nice set of sounds is works <laughs> works against the story, as in. It's a nice set of sounds that are telling a story of a woman who who married somebody she didn't love after her her true love died in a battle and now is contemplating suicide to be with him. Is that how you read it? This is a this is very complicated. This is very complicated. Um, the way bridal ballad as the, the one you read second. The way it sounds to me is that uh, I, I'm not so sure that she is uh, contemplating suicide. I have the feeling that she believes that the the man she truly loves was happy in the afterlife, mm-hmm. knowing that she was faithful to him. And she is afraid that if she does the wrong thing, like getting married to this other guy, mm-hmm. the guy she really loves will no longer be happy. This this is a theme that is in other Poe works, so that totally fits. There's a... I, it's Annabelle the, Lee, for example. Annabelle Lee is a similar one, but there's one I'm thinking... Uh, it's It's almost like set in a fairyland. Um, it's one of the ones with a, a woman's name as the title. And in that one, the uh, man makes a promise to always love the woman. She dies, and he sticks to his vow for a while, but then he finds another. <laughs> and yeah. on the eve of the wedding night, um, the ghost comes to him and surprisingly says, It's fine, you can marry her. <laughs> and that's like a very happy ending for a Poe story. Which is very unusual. One of the reasons that I mentioned Annabelle Lee is that um, I have often encountered students who were distressed when I pointed out that, uh, so I will lie down by, with my wife and my bride in her sepulchre there by the sea mm-hmm. at the end of that poem, suggests necrophilia. Mm-hmm. And since the, the sound of the poem is so gorgeous. Right. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea. They loved and loved more than love, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they are so taken by the sound that they're disturbed to realize the content. (laughs) But I believe there, as in Bridal Ballad, it is the disjunction between the the surface sound and the deep semantic content Mm -hmm. that is part of the point of the poem. Yes. Um, So I'm with you. But I think... Um, the reason I chose the other poem, the other version to read, mm-hmm. the first version, as you say, um, is that I think that in a way it is richer. Um, it gives us the reason that the woman um, decides to marry. Um, the, the root of land or all at my command from the very first stanza, you realize that she's a widow. Mm-hmm. And so one way to read that first version is that she is a widow of the man she loved. There aren't two men involved. You can read it that way, which is what gets highlighted in the version that you read to us. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to read it that way. You can read it as um, I got married. I have all of this at my command. He loved me long and well. You see, it's no longer bridal. Mm -hmm. He loved me long and well. But then he died. So he's happy now because he died in battle nobly. He died having had a good love. And he spoke to reassure me. So he was wounded on the battlefield and then died later. Mm -hmm. He talks to her. And going to the churchyard, which could on a quick first reading be a a marriage, Mm -hmm. in fact, is a burial. And she is going to bury him. And I sighed before him, oh, I am happy now, meaning I'm happy to be your widow. I am happy to know that I have fulfilled my role as a wife. But then at the end, she realizes that this is not enough. This is not what makes me happy. I wish I could awaken because I am shaken. I'm always worried that an evil step will be taken. And the dead who is forsaken, that is, I will forsake him by turning to another may not be happy now. Mm. If you give it that reading, right, where it's only one man and the bride, who's not a call to bride here, that's just valid. That's right. If you give it that reading, she is struggling to remain faithful to her husband whom she truly loved. And she is, in fact, enriched in the worldly meaning of that word by having been his wife But she is afraid that she wants something else and that if she has that, it will disturb the afterlife of this man who really loved her and whom she really loved. So in making the revision from ballad to bridal ballad, one of the possible readings of ballad becomes impossible. And in fact, that that reading where it's just one man and one woman is turned to one where it must be two men yeah. and one woman. So it is, in fact, despite the fact that the words are almost identical, mm-hmm. except for except for deleting some, like the, the roots of land being mm-hmm. at her disposal, although the words are almost identical, the two poems have radically different messages, mm-hmm. tell radically different stories. Mm-hmm. It, it could be changing circumstances in his own life. He... He was uh, a very um, ardent pursuer of romance. Let's put it that way. Uh, 
um, his own, you know, he married his cousin, his wife, his cousin died, um, very young. But she died while he was, uh, he was himself still quite young. So. Yes. Uh, you know, he, how's it go? I was a child and she was a child in the kingdom by the sea. Indeed. Um, obviously this stuff haunts him. What's so interesting here is generally the stories are told from the male point of view here. I think it's much clearer that it's from the female point of view, as you say, the the wreath being on the brow. That's much more for women than it is for men. But um, I'd, I'd like to take it one more time uh, on bridal ballad a little slower, just to show like my own thought process on what's happening. So, in the first stanza, which is one nice big sentence, the ring is on my hand and the wreath is on my brow. Satins and jewels grand are all at my command, and I am happy now. So she's telling us about the fact that she's getting married. I don't think that this is a past tense situation, that she has satins and jewels grand all around her because a long time ago she got married, but rather it's because she's getting married. She's wearing these satins and jewels, and she's, it's almost like she's ready to walk down the aisle. Right. In the next stanza, and all my lord and my lord he loves me well, but when first he breathed his vow, I felt my bosom swell, for the words rang as a knell, and that's a nice uh Poe and bells always go together. Um knells are for weddings, they're also for funerals and uh ominous things to come. And the voice seemed his who fell in the battle down the dell and who is happy now. So it suddenly became, becomes clear that there are two men involved because there's this Lord who she's about to marry. And then his voice sounds like that of her lover who is now dead in the battle. In the third stanza, but he spoke to reassure me and he kissed my pallid brow while a reverie came o'er me and the churchyard and to the churchyard bore me, and I sighed to him before me, thinking him dead delore me. Quote, oh, I am happy now. So this Lord knows of her dead boyfriend and says, it's okay. And they go to the churchyard after her pallid brow is kissed and we hear the words, oh, I am happy now. And who is saying that? Is it the Lord? Is it her? Or is it the dead man? Could be all three. Fourth stanza. And thus the words were spoken, and thus the plighted vow, and though my faith be broken, and though my heart be broken, behold the golden token that proves me happy now so she's looking down at her ring seeing it on her finger i'm married therefore i'm happy <laughs> who is she trying to convince her heart is broken her faith is broken she spoke the words she's married she must be happy so when we get to that last stanza would to god i could awaken for i dream i know not how and my soul is sorely shaken, lest an evil step be taken, lest the dead who is forsaken, this is the dead Del Orme in my view, 
may not be happy now. What if she's wrong about what he thinks about her getting remarried? So is she contemplating suicide? I don't think it's like 100% that she's going to do it or anything like that. But what I do know is she is definitely struggling under this this uh, decision she's made, the circumstances she's laid into, and the fact that she's, you know, got jewels under her command and satins and a root of land in one version. That's not enough. It's very beautiful. It is. I, I, our Those two different readings, the one where it's one man and the two are are coming a little closer together. Mm-hmm. I would suggest um, that if we think, if we look at the, the uh, tenses used in the bridal ballad version, the ring is on my hand, the wreath is on my brow, I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk, and thus the words were spoken and thus the plighted vow. Um, in other words, the poem begins with her about to be married. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, when it says that the satins and jewels are all at my command, she has already got stuff in her own right, which means she's a widow. So it's not a boyfriend. It's a former husband. Mm. Um, but if you give it that reading. Yeah, I, I'm saying bo- boyfriend, just, and the reason- just assuming that, uh, they were actual lovers as opposed to whatever this marriage is, which may or may not have some affection. She, Indeed. I, she is mourning the death of a, of a lover, whether they were married, boyfriend, or whatever. Agreed. And in the version that I read, it is that she is contemplating marrying someone else, mm. but she is talking about only one. So they're, they're not that far apart. But... Um, the reason I think that it's important that whether we think of them as married or not, I think of legally married, otherwise she wouldn't have all this stuff at her command. Mm. Um, but even if one wants to think of her as not legally married to Delorme um, in your reading, in that second version, later version, um, they must have made vows because the breaking of that vow Right is is clearly crucial, and that brings me as as you point out, Poe loves to use the word Nell mm. because it it tells us that we're in a moment of uh, both marriage and and death, just as um, he likes tomb and womb to mm-hmm. to rhyme so often. So he knows quite well his his command of, of language was extraordinary and his knowledge of language was extraordinary. He knows quite well that the word prove mm-hmm. means to test as in the proof of the pudding is mm-hmm. in the eating. right? Uh, or that is the exception that proves the rule. It doesn't mean that it makes the rule right. It means that it tests the rule to see if it holds up. And so when he says here behold the golden token that is on her hand, her wedding ring, which was in the first line, the ring is on my hand. Mm-hmm. Behold the golden token that proves me happy now in both your reading and mine. Um, what it's saying is this, this wedding ring tests me, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this asks me, are you really happy or are you not? 
and in both our readings, but in slightly different ways. She's asking, am I happy that I am a widow or do I need to find someone else in Mm -hmm. my reading and in yours? Am I really happy to marry this fellow? Um, is, is this new marriage, whether of a boyfriend or of you know past widowhood, um, is this really something that I want, or am I forever going to be living with the ghost of the man I loved in this version named Delorme? Um, I, I think that double meaning of the words, like the use of, of gorgeous sounds, mm-hmm. is so characteristic of Poe and it points to one of the ways in which we we see he is endlessly excellent. <laughs> That's the words for him. Um, I've got two arrows pointing to the third to last line. Lest an evil step be taken. What is that evil step? <laughs> that's that's the thing that makes me think that this is about, you know, make it, if she kills herself because she's made a bad choice, she gets to be with her 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 previous husband, her previous boyfriend. Um, but uh, this doesn't go deep into the, um, into the, you know, oh, is suicide a sin and anything like it's just to be with him. It's not thinking about all the, the canonical, you know, explanations to why somebody goes where or anything like that. But another way of reading it, and I think this is very much seen in, in Poe, it's one of the things that makes him so extraordinary is he, he doesn't really believe in any of this Christian heaven stuff. He's much more focused on uh, the, the pain of Earth and the pleasures of Earth. So when she says, would to God I could awaken, for I dream I know not how. So this could be read either way. Either I wish I could... St- stop these thoughts of me being obsessed with my dead husband slash boyfriend or I wish I could stop this reality that I put myself into and awaken to the reality of not being in this situation or possibly I know how to fix this if I just don't exist at all. So it it doesn't necessarily mean that she's hoping to reunite with him in heaven. Um, it's a, it's something we see in the lake by Poe where he has this double play. Uh, in killing yourself, you're able to end your, snuff out your existence. In killing yourself, you get to be with those who have passed before in a way that you can only get to in dreams normally on Earth. And so she's definitely in crisis. What is this evil step? It wouldn't be divorce, I don't think. I think that 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 changes the drama in the wrong direction. I think it's 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 functional within being in the middle of this stanza. Would to God I could awaken, for I dream I know not how, and my soul is sorely shaken, lest an evil step be taken, lest the dead who is forsaken may not be happy now. It's all about could, her conception of what he is thinking, and he's dead. I agree completely. But I think another way to read it is she wants to know that the marriage that she – and I'm going it within your reading of the, the bridal ballad rather than just ballad. 
Another way to read it is that she wants to know that the step that she has taken, that is this marriage, is in fact not an evil step. That having done this, it will not constitute a forsaking of the dead. Mm -hmm. Because while she may want her happiness, she does not want his unhappiness. I was I was a little bit unclear as to where where the time is, and I, I like the idea of you thinking that they're previously married. So at the beginning, it's the ring is on my hand. If she's going down the aisle, she doesn't have that ring on yet, right? It's when she gets to the end of the aisle and they do the ceremony that she gets that ring on yet. But if it's from a previous Unless marriage, she's a widow. Exactly. that's exactly right. So when we get to the end. And she says, behold the golden token that proves me happy now. Is that on her hand? Is that in his hand, about to place it on her hand? Because this could all be her thoughts, right? Is she about to run out of the, out of the, uh, the chapel, to, back to the graveyard? <laughs> um, it's not. Uh, what's so interesting is he almost, Poe almost says absolutely nothing. Like, there's almost no things happening that we know for sure, and we have to do all this interpretation as to what, what, who is doing what and to whom where. And yet, in, <laughs> when we are doing it, um, we are participating in the story in a way that is very unusual for, you know, most poems are <laughs> a little more simple. I love that he can do this. He can... He can get us spinning up our own interpretations. And I think it's all intentional. I think that's exactly what he wants us to do. I think that it completely justifies the otherwise merely um, crass reprinting of his own work. Because what, what we're proving today is, with this poem, for sure, there's always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.com.